Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by The Afterlight Institute. The Afterlight Institute is a community of teachers and students seeking to expand their spiritual gifts and their inner wisdom on the road to illuminating their forgotten selves. Offering online courses, in-person retreats, live events, online expositions, and more, the Afterlight Institute is a safe and inclusive space for all. To learn more, head to theafterlightinstitute.com. All right, Lauren Grace here, and welcome to the show. And I'm joined today by Tay One. She is a multi-dimensional transformational coach and oracle guided by her fierce guardian angel, and she serves as a spirit guide and tarot reader for her querents. She's a certified life coach and NLP practitioner and image consultant with over a decade of experience as a highly skilled makeup artist and hairstylist. And by the way, she looks very beautiful. So I know you at home can't imagine, can't see her, but I can testify that yes, she, uh, she is exactly what she says there. She specializes in inner and outer beauty. One is deeply passionate about holding sacred space and helping as many souls as possible realize and embody their limitless, limitless potential. She wants everyone she connects with to embrace their divinity as to gain unwavering confidence, look sophisticated, and to reclaim their sovereignty. One is an eternal student, an animal lover, a humanitarian environmentalist, and is a multifaceted artist with an insatiable appetite to create beauty in many forms. And one is joining me today to talk about all things sacred geometry. Although when the two of us get together, we don't actually really know what's going to happen because spirit just uses us as they want to. Welcome to the show, my sister. So great to have you back. Thank you so much, lovely. Um, it's such an honor to be back and to connect with you on such a deep level and to share our love for all things spirit. So thanks for having me. You know what? I think it would be an interesting way to start off before we get into sacred geometry to kind of talk for a minute about what we were talking about before I hit record. So I was letting one know, you know, that I was feeling sort of a little bit flat today. And um, one of the things that I've started doing and one's doing it as well as, you know, we're learning about mediumship. And um, one of the things that I just really want to kind of, I guess, maybe chat to you about and see what your thoughts are, because you're so smart is about, um, you know, cleansing your energy and also, you know, kind of what you do when you are feeling a little bit flat. So I guess for myself, I woke up this morning, I feel a little bit off. I don't feel myself, whether or not it's energy that I haven't moved um, from somebody else or whether or not I'm just kind of paying attention to the gloomy day today. So I went out with my dog and I, um, I've made a couple cups of tea, which, you know, one of which I've got here. And I went to get changed and I was going to put on black, which is my natural, you know, sort of default color. And I went, no, I have to wear something else to just try to pull myself out of it because I'm in control. So I put on a purple shirt and I put on a, um, a turquoise bracelet and, you know, slowly and surely I'm going to pull myself out of this. So where I'm going with this one is, you know, what do you kind of do when you wake up and you're feeling flat? How important is color to you as you're wearing such a beautiful pink 
vibrant color right now? And, you know, do you have any sort of gems of wisdom that you can kind of give to our listener at home if they've ever woken up feeling sort of the same way that I have, or even to me, I'm all ears. Mm -hmm. Well, I, first of all, I love that you're bringing this into our conversation because I think it's so relevant. I think, you know, we all, wake up on the wrong side of, of the bed every once in a while and, and it can be hard to pull yourself out of the funk if you don't know um you know what steps to take I think everything that you did today was amazing you know I think a big part of it is knowing thyself and knowing what works and I'll always come back to that first and foremost because um there's different methods for everyone personally for me going for a walk being outside getting fresh air is number one that's that's incredible if you have a dog it's nice to spend time with your animals um i love that you you know took took control of your of what you're wearing because as an image consultant that's also something that i do as well is to help and support people in expressing themselves on a deeper level using their second skin aka their outfit and when you um when we understand that color has a psychological impact on us and has a direct effect on how um how we carry ourselves throughout the day because color has energy as well right we're all energy um and so the color can affect us that way so um like you, Lauren, I picked, you know, a bright color because I also actually felt a little in the funk today. So I was like, you know, I'm going to wear something bright and and it's going to cheer me up. And sure enough, it, it, it has. And I went to the gym because, you know, getting the blood moving, um, doing activities that just allows your feel good hormones to flow is is key. Yeah, I love that. I remember I learned many years ago about the power of color. When I went from wearing red to blue, I noticed the shift right away. And mm -hmm. uh, it's so funny how often, you know, we do kind of get up. I work from home. I, I live on a farm. Uh, it's really easy for me to quote unquote, not care what I look like necessarily because I don't really engage with many people. Mm -hmm. um, if I have clients and the like, or meeting someone, you know, such as yourself over zoom, um, then, you know, maybe I might like put on some lip gloss or something, but essentially, you know, clothing isn't always something that I prioritize because mm -hmm. I guess I don't really, I'm more about feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. That being said, kind of like what you're talking about, it can really shift the way that you, that you kind of even behave. So, you know, I remember when I was um, coaching people on finding new employment that I was saying, dress up, dress to the nines, you know, get your suit on or whatever it is you want to do when you're making all those cold calls and really kind of get into business mode. What do you think some of the biggest mistakes are that people are making in terms of maybe not really caring about their appearance and, and thinking that it, it doesn't sort of matter? That's a really good question. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that people can fall into is looking and feeling put together for comfort, because I do that too. Um, and working at home, you can easily fall into that. But the thing is, you, you can still look good and look polished and still be comfortable. So I think that that's something that can that people can make 
the mistake of and and also and you've touched on it as well is like you know when you work from home um there's the mentality of like who do I have to impress no one's gonna see me anyway Mm -hmm. right uh but really and truly when you and and I've tried it on myself like when you dress up even if because I live alone and you know I don't work from home anymore uh sometimes I do but even then I'll still dress up because it really does make you change how you pursue your day you know like like you may avoid certain things without even realizing it if you're not really dressed up like if you're more like if you stay in your pajamas I know for myself when I was staying in my pajamas I would walk my dog but I'll stay within the neighborhood where not a lot of people would see me but when I dress up and I'm wearing like a sundress or you know I'm I'm feeling cute then I'll actually walk more where there's people around and and it's not even an intentional thing it's a subconscious thing so I think that um if if a person really wants to take it upon themselves to have their own experiment they can try it you know like one day don't put the time and effort into dressing up and, and document how your day is going. Like write down what you're doing, have like a one day journal of what your day looks like. And then on another day, dress up to the nines, you know, dress to impress, not other people, but dress for yourself because it's gonna make you feel good and then document your day. And I think it'll be really interesting for someone to see, you know, exactly the difference is. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a great idea. And actually, I, I just want to say for myself, I don't lounge in my pajamas. I do like get ready and, you know, but I wear comfortable clothes. <laughs> I just want to put that out there in case our listener at home is like sitting there imagining me in pajamas all day. No. <laughs> um, but one thing that you did say is so important. And I noticed myself within it is that I am far less likely to make any kind of video related content if I haven't, um, dried my hair in a certain way, or if I, you know, haven't maybe put a little bit more effort in than on another day mm-hmm. where, where I'm like, Oh damn girl. Yeah. Let's do some content. Yes. So I do notice that that's a pretty big difference in the way that I operate just from that one, that one thing. Um, I was wondering if you had any insight about fabrics and textures of clothing, as well as colors of clothing, absorbing energy more than others, because I was sort of encouraged to wear light fabrics when working with other people's energy. And I don't really own a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Um, so I probably need to do some shopping, you know, Mm -hmm. damn, but I was just wondering whether or not that's something (laughs) exactly that you notice or, um, have ever paid much attention to for yourself or or for others that you've worked with. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I like that you brought this up because there are nuances that people could glaze over because it's just not in your conscious thinking. Um, but yeah, usually like, for example, when I'm doing tarot, like a tarot reading, I have my my silk scarf that I wear around me and I wear it because I've anchored the intention and this energy into the scarf so that when I wear it it kind of gets me prepared for what I'm doing so um so yeah when you're wearing more like flowy um airy materials it can represent energy flowing around you and through you instead of having it absorb into you because when it comes to energy work and mediumship and and just naturally being a 
um, intuitive empath, and I'm sure, and I know that you're an empath as well, Lauren, what can happen with us is that we absorb this energy and it doesn't flow through us. It kind of stays within us. And that's where it can get heavy for the empath. Mm. Um, because now we're not really, we're not cycling through that energy. So having flowing fabric can help with that energy. Um, and when you're wearing, you know, fabrics that are perhaps like cotton or more synthetic fabric that isn't as flowy, that can, uh, again, you can set the intention and have it per perhaps as like a barrier, as like a safeguard type of thing. If you're coming into, um, if you're coming into an environment where you know it's going to be high energy and there's going to be, or whatever it is, you can set that intention as well. So yes, like like crystals, materials have their own energetic property. Um, and you don't necessarily, there isn't like, you don't have to find the science behind it yourself. You can set that intention on your own. So basically what I'm trying to get mm. at is there's really no right or wrong. It's all based on a feeling. But yes, I, and I guess yeah. if I'm thinking about it, Jean is a heavy feeling. Like I, mm. I see, I can see now that when I wear jeans all the time, that that's probably absorbing energy versus, yeah, like you're talking about the light fabric of a sundress or something mm -hmm. like that, that really just gives off this sort of airy vibe. Yes, absolutely. Fresh vibe, you know? Absolutely. And then it's also connected to the season, right? So the outfits that we wear are. Um, in correspondence to the season. So that also has another energetic um, effect to it. So, you know, sundresses are lighthearted. It, it makes you um, feel like you're flowing through your day. It gives you a pop of energy. And usually because sundresses are more colorful. And jeans, perhaps if you're, you know, if you're having your moon cycle, maybe you want more support in your root chakra. Maybe you're wanting more, wanting to feel more grounded in that, in that time. So, you know, it's, it's, it can be very intuitive and and I like it like that because it kind of it takes away any blocks for people like I don't want people to start being like oh my gosh well I don't know the meaning of this material so I don't want to wear it because of it might represent so you know what I mean like so to really be yeah. intuitive with the feeling because at the end of the day everyone functions differently our psychology, like there's a baseline to our psychology but again we're all so unique right so the key yeah. is that you can be empowered and you can anchor different emotions, different intentions, different feelings into fabrics, stones, color, what have you. Yeah, I love that a lot. And I think that, you know, you know, when you're self-aware, when you're taking the time to be mindful, mm -hmm. then that's where you can really start to notice how things are feeling for you. Like I have a comfort with black that black just makes me feel kind of a little bit badass, makes me feel protected. Um, but then I've also read from other things where it's like, well, black absorbs everything. And I go, well, in a way, black also is a protective color for me. So mm -hmm. that's my intention that I use within it. But I know that, you know, today I needed a bit of a kick you know, some, in terms of lightness. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, the other day I was, um, I made my favorite Szechuan dish and I was eating it. And later I went to bed and I woke up and I was covered in hives. And so the next day I thought it was the dish, like I was 99.999% sure, mm -hmm. but I went, well, I have some leftovers. I'm just going to see 
how I go with it. So as the minute I started eating it, it was really interesting because I was looking to pay attention to how I was reacting. Right. I started noticing, I started scratching my head, like around the time I was still eating. And I went, ah, that is my key. So anyway, I ended up getting crazy hives again. So now I have to do a process of elimination mm-hmm. to see what was in that, or I was going to do some muscle testing or something, but it's the same with color and stuff, isn't it? It's like yeah. when you put something on, how do you feel when you hold a crystal? How do you feel exactly. when you're eating something? How do you feel? It's a lot about mindfulness. And I guess that when you're working with energy and, you know, soon we're going to talk about sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're around these, um, these shapes, these patterns, um, how do you feel? Exactly. Exactly. And I love that we're talking about all of this because this is, there's an element to my coaching program where um, I, I take people through just a brief introduction of color psychology and I share the meaning of that particular color. And then I ask my clients to write down different words that that, that color represents. So I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because it's relevant, you know, it's relevant and it can be, it can, and it can make a spectacular difference in a person's life. You know, like just based on what you said today, you were going to wear black because you were feeling kind of gloomy, but you felt empowered and you decided to wear purple, which is a color of spirituality and wisdom. So I love that. Yes. Mm Yeah. And I think it's important as well that we just reiterate before we move on to the next subject, what you've been talking about this whole time, which is that there isn't a wrong way to do it as long as you know your own intention and try it out. And, you know, I think that a whole part of like me wanting to do this podcast, and I know even for yourself and the kind of work that you do and the kind of work that I do is like, we want to empower people to live their best lives. Mm -hmm. And the way that you empower somebody is by reminding them that they're in control. Like you are responsible for your life. And so, you know, and it's, it's interesting, you know, because even when we're gloomy, okay, well, I have two choices. One, I can, you know, listen to sad music or I could listen to happy music. I could wear dark colors or I could wear bright colors. Mm -hmm. I could drink, you know, tea or I could drink alcohol. Not that I would at eight 30 in the morning, but I could. Yeah right? That we're always kind of faced with options. Exactly. They do. Mm -hmm. Or I could go to work and, you know, back myself, or I could just take the day off. So Mm -hmm. it's really about understanding these sort of choices. And um, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that before we move on to sacred geometry? I think you summed it up beautifully. It's, it's really, it's about taking control of your life and, and realizing that you are the co-creator of your existence. So, yeah, I think, I think we, uh, covered all bases. We hit it. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's move Mm -hmm. into the next chapter, shall we? Which is all about sacred geometry. So, um, oh, actually I even forgot to tell our listener at home that one of, I have already spoken this is our second episode, um, because I do always, you know, sort of start the conversation where I'm like, where did your spiritual journey begin? And then today, you know, we didn't go there at all and we're not going to go there, um, because we already did. So mm-hmm. if you know, you're with us to this point and you haven't already listened to the first episode that we did, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but definitely go back and check it out because that's a really powerful episode about um, fierce guardian angels and spirits, you know, that pass over that are still with us mm-hmm. and 
you know, it's, oh, it almost like gave me goosebumps even talking about that yeah. and messages and signs from spirit. Yeah. It's a really amazing episode. It's instills yeah. a lot of hope, I think. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And it kind of shows you that there isn't a finality when we pass over that there is life after death exactly. and which I love. Yeah. So that's always really important. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when did you first get introduced to sacred geometry and you know, for our listener at home, who's like, what is this about? How would you sort of describe it for them? In the shortest amount of words, sacred geometry is basically the language of the universe, because everything in the universe or the multiverse is made up of mathematical equations and geometrical shapes. So that's in its shortest form. And really and truly, we could go down like a rabbit hole for hours on end around sacred geometry, because that is how saturated our existence is when it comes to these beautiful phenomenons of sacred geometry. Um, I was exposed to it um, maybe a decade ago. So not even that long ago that I was, that, that I Mm. first came to learn about um, the flower of life and it instantly intrigued me but you know I'm not really the type to I don't I'm not really the type to go and obsess over something for too long of a time I like for it to kind of just blossom as it will and but the plant the, this the seed was planted and from that point I just grew more and more interest and and I was just more gravitated to sacred geometry and of course with um the flower of life and the seed of life it's become a very trendy symbol in in the world of of spirituality like there's a lot of you know there's a lot of people who use it in their logos and use it in their brandings and and um you know it's it's a very dominant symbol uh which I can appreciate because people are catching on to understand, you know, and see the relevance of it. Um, And from there, I just, you know, like, it just became a part of my subconscious thing, my subconscious mind. And, and it became directly how do I, I don't even know how to explain it because it happened so organically and it, and there wasn't really like one moment in my life where I was just like, oh my God, sacred geometry. It just became, because, because mm-hmm. sacred geometry is embedded in our DNA, I feel like it's so, it's already a part of our existence from day one that there isn't really like this big aha moment because it's intrinsically a part uh-huh. of us. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Yeah, so it's familiar. Exactly, exactly. And it's Mm -hmm. natural and it's Mm -hmm. always been there. And so, and so I never, like, it wasn't really, like, it wasn't one of those, like, aha moments, but it was also like a subtle peacefulness, you know, like it Mm. it just felt like a feeling of wholeness, of of knowingness. And um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a so little I'll just say for our listener at home. Yeah, I understand. Let me try to kind of like 
It's really interesting one. I interviewed someone a little while ago and I um, said to them, cause they were talking about a subject matter that was like a little bit beyond me. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, let's dumb it down for a minute. And then they corrected me and said, no, let's just find a different entry point. Yeah. And I thought that is so clever. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So let me find a different entry point here for a listener at home in case they're curious about this. So um, I'll just kind of explain a little bit about my own sort of um, introduction into sacred geometry as well and see whether or not that's like a different take or, or also. So number one, I had to Google the flower of life while you were talking because I wasn't aware of what that actually looked like. Mm. So the way that I would sort of explain it is that sacred geometry, if you're looking at it from a non, um, non, uh, non uh, like a not in nature kind of world, like uh, something that somebody's drawn or created, for example, right. it very often is in a circle form. It's very often a pattern. Like you were saying, it's sort of mathematical pattern, but it's, it could be in a way kind of looked on as somebody who might be familiar with a mandala. It mm-hmm. may be similar to that. And I mm-hmm. guess, I don't know if it's the same thing actually. Um, so when I was looking at the flower of life, it's sort of like these interwoven, almost um, sh- little shapes um, where they're all sort of connected, um, almost like little cylindrical skinny kind of um, lines and they're all touching each other and Mm -hmm. they're all connected to form a pattern Mm -hmm. so uh, when I first understood about sacred geometry not in terms of nature but in terms of um, of patterns that you could look at I remember I was looking at all of these images online and some of them I looked at gave me anxiety and stress and some of them made me feel peaceful and I thought that was just the most fascinating thing. And I remember sharing it with my friend, Bernadette, shout out, who um, I said, hey, what do you think about this shape? And she really loved it. And I felt anxiety and stress looking at it. So it was really interesting Mm -hmm. to kind of start to realize that there were these patterns and these forms that I labeled, I guess, as sacred geometry that were having a reaction, a physical reaction um, when I was looking at it. Interesting. Yeah. And again, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, we are all influenced by geometry, colors, like seasons, crystals in completely different ways. So again, it's about knowing yourself. It's about going through these trials and figuring out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, Yeah. And I love that you shared that. Uh, When it comes to the flower of life, it's actually spheres overlapping spheres that create that yeah yeah um lauren i lost your i I can't there you go yeah you're on mute (laughs) i was trying to talk on mute which is actually really (laughs) difficult to do um yeah okay interesting so maybe Mm -hmm. the shape that i looked at was it was almost like spheres but kind of squished so Mm -hmm. maybe there are different was this yeah. the one that you were looking so, at similar to this? Oh yeah. No, yeah. that's not what I looked at at all, but I looked at, okay. So basically one is showing me an image of a, um, of the flower of life that looks different than the mm-hmm. one that I Googled. So maybe the, the one, one that, that I, I just showed you accurate. Sorry. The one that I just showed you is the seed of life. Some people call it the germ of life. Okay. Um, but basically it start. is this the one that you saw? Yeah. So this is the flower of life. So it starts off as the seed or the germ of life. And then 
um, as more circles oh. are added to it, it expands and becomes a flower of life. And, and you can continue to add circles to it and it can essentially create like the fabric of life. So it's a oh, very, beautiful. yeah, yeah. And what's beautiful about this too, is that in nature, all embryos are derived from the seed of life. So when the embryo splits from halves and then so on and so forth, it actually creates this image. And so that's why, um, you know, there are some brilliant minds that believe that this is the beginning of creation, that all of, all of life starts from this particular uh, seed of life. So there is, oh, so cool. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, for the listeners, I think it's, if this is a topic that interests you, there's a lot of YouTube videos that show a very clear demonstration because it's nice to see the illustration as well. It's one thing to hear and yeah. try to visualize it. <laughs> um, yeah, so true. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that just, you know, being introduced to sacred geometry is, a magical world to, to be indulged in. Um, but I, but I do encourage anyone who is interested in this to do your own research and to, um, and to watch videos that actually show, um, you know, the visuals of these sacred geometry, sacred geometrical patterns, because it is, it's beautiful, first of all, and it's just, it's easier to comprehend as opposed to trying to explain how these patterns look like um yeah no I agree yeah <laughs> so I think as well you know it's worth saying that you know sacred geometry is basically there's like a spiritual meaning or a spiritual frequency or vibration or feeling even mm -hmm. um that's sort of put behind various shapes that all come together to create almost you could say a piece of art but then when we're talking about nature there's a lot of this um, of these patterns that are showing up in nature as well innately obviously we haven't created them so what can you use sacred geometry for and actually before you answer that question would you say that flowers are quite symbolic of like quite are beautiful examples of what sacred geometry is yes, or yes how would you kind of call it out in nature this episode has been brought to you by the afterlight institute ignite the light magic and miracles within yeah, absolutely. Um, there are so like there are so many examples of sacred geometry that's demonstrated in nature. Bless you, my love. Um, so sacred geometry is also um, so. Have you heard of the golden ratio or the Fibonacci? I have, but I'm not familiar with it. I would love to hear okay. more. Yeah, for sure. So the golden ratio is um, a series of like it's a it's a ratio like a series of numbers that is shown in in nature everywhere. So some of the most uh, common places in nature that you can see the golden ratio, and it's also known as the golden spiral is, for example, in, in seashells, or like you were saying earlier, in flowers. Um, you can also see it like in the inside of our human ear. So see how my ear, our ear comes in like that. There's a bit of a spiral right there. So that's also an example of the right. golden ratio, AKA the golden spiral. Um, and, you know, a lot of like some of the most um, 
brilliant architectures use the golden ratio to to create iconic buildings so you know and and leonardo da vinci he knows about the golden ratio and so all of this is you know a part of sacred geometry as well um and yeah and i think it's just it's it's really fascinating to to see firsthand how we are literally all interconnected and I think it's just that much more of an affirmation that, you know, you know, there's a oneness that cannot be denied. And, you know, for me, one of my mission in life is to spread the message of oneness, because that's how we're going to find unity. And that's how we're going to find peace amongst humanity is by realizing that we're all interconnected. And hopefully that'll inspire us to take care of nature as well, because as of now, you know, as a collective, we're doing you know you know more damage than good to our environment which is something that we really need to put ourselves in check and and do our part in taking care of mother nature as she does for us because i think that you know in mm -hmm. a time where it feels like one person putting in effort feels inferior but really if we all you know take control and do something about it there is a collective power that that can be a force to be reckoned with if that's what we choose to do. And I guess yeah. that comes down to again self awareness and understanding our part within that. Um, I do want to share a definition of the golden ratio that I pulled because I do think it it kind of emphasizes and summarizes what you've said there. So um, it says it basically refers to a perfectly symmetrical relationship between two proportions where the relationship between the larger and the smaller part is the same as that between the whole and the larger part. So it's basically my understanding of this is that you have two sort of elements and then the relationship between those elements is the same as it is to other elements. No, wait a minute. I, I, I'm, can you explain that a little bit more? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's one of those things where it's a mathematical equation, unless there's a whiteboard and graphs to show, it's going to be really hard to explain it. Um, mm. So basically, for example, in the human body, there's a ratio from our from our navel to our head is a ratio is like one portion of the ratio and then from our navel to our feet is another and those numbers from our head to our belly and from our navel to our feet those numbers can be reflected in nature as well um i don't remember exactly what the numbers were i think it was like six oh, i i don't want to butcher the numbers but um the, this particular ratio is reflected in other parts of nature. So for example, again, like I wish there were graphs, but um, but the spiral, the golden spiral uses the golden ratio because if you can if you can visualize, and here I am like trying to draw into the air <laughs> and hoping that Lauren will pick up what I'm throwing down, which is really hard. <laughs> I'm just smiling and also nodding and realize that maybe my idea of sacred geometry as a subject for this podcast was not as smart as I thought it was at the time. 
Or I should have said, girl, let's make this a video instead of a <laughs> with some slides audio. and a presentation. Yeah. Okay, um, we might have to redo this at some point. <laughs> this is hilarious. I'd be totally open to it. Um, but I mean, okay. you know, well, anyway, at least we're let's having try to save it. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay so obviously okay so basically for a listener okay you're gonna summarize you, no, you go no, you summarize it i was just gonna say basically for our listener at home sacred geometry is like um mathematical equations but they're also basically like reoccurring patterns and they're all connected to each other and there's a beautiful balance and you can find this in nature and you can also find it in patterns if you want to know more google it yes exactly right? yes no really yes okay because you'll get a better understanding of it and it's better to see the visual yeah. so the golden ratio are they're they're imprinted everywhere you can see the golden ratio in like i said earlier in seashells um you know you know um uh seahorses you know how their tails curl up that's also the golden yeah. ratio like yeah so anything that basically if you you can almost bet your money on it that anything in nature that you see that has a natural spiral in it is a golden spiral and it derives from okay. the golden ratio yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now would you say that sacred geometry in terms of images that we can Google, for example, and look at mm -hmm. that are full of patterns and colors and almost layers and layers and layers on, upon each other, mm -hmm. that these are um, sort of derived from nature, but we can repurpose them maybe for some kind of purpose i mean is it mostly just art that people have created that have like a physical connection to us like we we have a reaction i mean to it or mm -hmm. can you use it for any other purpose for example yeah, yeah. Like what good is a piece of sacred geometry even like it looks beautiful is that all of its meaning or is mm -hmm. there something else yeah and i love that you're that you're talking about this because this is this is where we can find ways for sacred geometry to be relevant in our life. So as of now, some of the greatest minds, because there have been scientists and researchers that, that have been studying sacred geometry and the flower of life in particular, because ancient civilizations such as, um, you know, the Egyptian civilization and, and even like on some of the oldest temples across the world, the flower of life is evident in their in their, you know, um, in their architecture, it's been um, it's been studied, and and people know humanity has known that the flower of life and the seed of life possess ancient wisdom, and there are even scientists that believe that Leonardo da Vinci, because he obsessed over it in his work in his art. And they believe that he tapped into that ancient wisdom. And so I believe that if one chooses, you can meditate with that, with the, with the flower of life in their, in their consciousness. Um, so that could give you a potential to access that ancient wisdom. Um, you can also use it as uh, coloring therapy. So if you, for example, if you had a sacred geometrical shape that resonated with you, that made you feel good, Lauren, like, you know, you were saying before there were certain shapes that made you feel anxiety. 
obviously don't choose that choose the choose the one that feels good to you and if you even took time to color it because coloring and you know and and doing something that's tactile that's also that that can also bring you back to your inner child can be therapeutic as well and coloring can also help you get into a meditative state so it can be helpful in that way um and I want to say just quickly before you continue on yeah so I color quite a bit and I do color mandalas which I guess are the same as sacred geometry Mm -hmm. so what you're saying is sort of there's a almost like a a focus that you can garner from working with these shapes that really help in a way I guess to quiet the mind Mm -hmm. to become more of the observer to go into almost a meditative theta state Mm -hmm. where you can receive more information you can find more peace absolutely uh, that sort of thing right to kind of get out of the ego mind or the head head space and Precisely. to sort of be be in the present so it's almost like an a tool that you can use to help anchor yourself into the now exactly um and if you set the intention because i i do believe that these flowers or the the flower of life can be used as a portal And so if you set the intention during your meditation, you can set your intention to access any wisdom that you're seeking. So you can use it as a guidance tool. It can be as profound before I have, I have, and it's, and it's amazing. And, and this is where I want to, you know, share more of my own discovery of how sacred geometry can help like this is a part of my program. So in my coaching, I actually use the germ of life, aka the seed of life and the flower of life as a tool to help my clients transform their life. And and I, I really do believe that I access ancient wisdom because as of now, we know that sacred geometry is profound and we know that you know the flower of life and the seed of life possess ancient wisdom but really there isn't anyone out there that is showing people how to use the flower of life in a practical way to transform their life and it's an honor for me to share it because this is the first time it's going to be shared this way and so my goal with this is to help people um, change the way they perceive the flower of life um, and to anchor a new meaning to it and um, for me, it's been it's been a very difficult journey because this realization came to me after my brother had transcended to heaven. And so I really believe that this was a co-creation between source, my angel, my fierce guardian angel and myself to come up with this program. Um, so basically, before I dive into this, I'm going to share a quote that I wrote maybe over over 10 years ago when I was either my teens or early 20s and I wrote that I wrote um with exquisite purpose simplicity is more complex than complexity itself and that quote I did I knew it was profound but I didn't know what it how deep it was and and how much it meant until my brother transcended. And I realize now that I had actually foreshadowed my my realization of what the flower of life 
means and how I can utilize it as a compass and a blueprint to help my clients transform. Um, can so, you say the quote again, one? Yeah, Just absolutely. for our listener and for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. so maybe say it, yeah, say it again. Mm -hmm. So it's with exquisite purpose, simplicity is more complex than complexity itself. So it's like, you yeah. know, even when you look at the flower of life or the seed of life and you look at it, you go, oh, this is really simple, mm -hmm. you know, you could say, but then mm -hmm. there's this whole thing within it, yes. through it, around it, yep. the, everything is balanced within it. It's yep. like quite complex. Yes. <laughs> right. And, you know, yeah. when I wrote it and, and, you know, as I mentioned in the, in our first, um, I think I mentioned it in our first interview that without even knowing it my writing, I always knew writing was sacred to me. And before I even realized what I was doing, later on, I realized that my writing was a channeling tool. So I would be mm -hmm. channeling all of these quotes and, and information, and then realizing afterwards, how profound these quotes were. And this is, you know, an example of that that I wrote down this quote, realizing that, yes, that, so that sounds very significant and I can appreciate it. But then I didn't realize I was foreshadowing the fact that I would eventually access ancient wisdom and come up with a unique system and methodology to help my clients truly transform their life. Um, so I'm taking mm -hmm. a seemingly overwhelming endeavor of transforming one's entire life and I'm simplifying it and using sacred geometry as the blueprint as the compass so now it's like we know you know we know how this is so phenomenal and you know has is like the seed of all creation but how can we utilize these now to actually impact our life which is the question that you asked earlier um, so just to start, so with the germ of life or the flower of life, and I'll, and I'll show it to you, Lauren, so you can like get an idea of it. So this is the germ of life. It has six yep. petals, right? There are six petals. And in my program, I- In the middle. Yeah. The first petal represents spirit. So there's six different areas in our lives that- anything that matters to you will fall under one of these petals. So I've, I've, I, I refer to them as the six petals of life. You, so if you try to Google that, you're not going to find it because you're hearing it for the first time here with Lauren and I. Um, so the first petal is the, 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 the first petal, which is spirit. The second petal, so it'd be this one here right after it in going clockwise is the mind. The third petal is heart. The fourth petal is body. The fifth petal is environment, which is our home environment, as well as our outer environment, some other nature. And then the sixth petal is abundance and impact. And so mm -hmm. when I take my clients through my program, we basically mm -hmm. find out the, we hone in on what you value most about spirituality because subconsciously and what people don't always realize is that what we value most in life is what will prioritize 
and it seems really obvious, right? But until you actually take yeah. the time to figure out what you value, you're 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 gonna kind of wonder why certain things certain things in your life you're not manifesting while other things in life you are manifesting. So, for example, when it comes mm. to money, right? Not everyone values values money in the same way. Like I can tell you right now, mm-hmm. I didn't value money because I valued my spiritual evolution more than I did money. And so in my life, I'm going to have more um, profound experiences in my spirituality than I would with my finances, because that's inherently I valued my spirit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you and even if someone does say they they value money or finances, you can break it down even more and figure out what exactly is it about money that you value because freedom again, yes <laughs> yes freedom and so there's that process that I take my clients through too um so that's basically in short that's how that's how the 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 seed of life can help a person transform their life is by going through um by going through the six petals and taking it one petal at a time Okay. So do you kind of use it almost as a teaching tool? Because I was kind of imagining that you would have the, the image and that you would sit there and you would look at it in meditation and like go in a bit of a trance. Is that also what it can be used for, but you're kind of using it as like a simple way of saying that, because you just, you came up with the six petals Mm -hmm. and their purpose yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so in my in my coaching, I do um, I do encourage my clients to meditate with the flower of life visible and and to look into it and then to go into a trance from there. But I also do it in the other way where it's practical. Um, I don't want to take up too much time to like break it down because it is it is quite the process. Um, but it's a powerful process mm-hmm. and. And it, and it really, it really helps you, it really helps you break it down because what spirituality means to me is going to mean something different to you and the person next to us. You know what I mean? So in my process, I really get my clients to figure out what spirituality means to them. And then from, from what it means to them, I get them to discover or find out for themselves what they want to look how they want to improve their spirituality. So for example, if my client says that being spiritual means to be um, calm and at peace, well, then what's going to bring you there? Is it meditation? Is it, you know what I mean? And then from there, you're able to coach yourself through finding what way to implement meditation that's going to make it most effective for you to grow as a spirit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So out of curiosity, you know, for our listener at home, you know, they are probably, if they've stuck with us to this point, they're clearly interested in sacred geometry. So you've always really connected to the germ or the seed of life and the flower of life, but you know, there are many more patterns in which people can, you know, connect. So have you ever, you know, used other 
shapes to meditate and to seek wisdom from, or were you just kind of drawn to this familiar shape and you've always sort of used it? Um, and that's the one for you. Cause I guess I'm kind of curious. I'm sort of going back in my mind about, well, why was it that I looked at some shapes that made me feel stress and, and anxiety? Whereas my friend didn't. And then why is it that I look at other shapes and think they make me feel peaceful? And is there something there? Like there's, is there something that I should be working on, mm -hmm. you know, on my own and in relation to that? And, and then why is it to help me calm down? Is it to help give me focus? Is it to, you know, maybe there's wisdom within that shape? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really great point that you brought up. For me, I've, I've put most of my attention towards the germ, the flower of life, and the seed of life, uh, because that's just what I'm called to. This is the work that I'm being called to, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to my intuition. But for anyone who's interested in in sacred geometry, there are so many different patterns that's gonna call to each person, and I think it's mm -hmm. that's if you're feeling triggered, whether it's a happy trigger or an anxious trigger, I think it, I think that's a cue for the individual to dig a little deeper. There's a reason why you're having an emotional reaction to it. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's, there's no answer that I could, that myself or anyone else outside of you can answer. Um, that's something that is up to the individual to really you know, take the time to slow things down and to realize for themselves, what is it about this pattern that is making me feel good? What is it about this pattern that's not making me feel um, as excited or it's making me feel anxiety? Um, and I think sitting hmm. with that thought, with that question will help you unravel parts of yourself that that's asking for attention. Because when it comes to our spirituality and our subconscious mind, we live in a world where so much is happening all the time that it's it's hard for us to even hear ourselves sometimes so it doesn't mean yeah. that that part of us doesn't want attention so it's just showing up and asking for attention in different ways whether it's like a visual mm. cue or a scent you know because even when it comes to sound or music like we were talking earlier you know like music has the ability to make us feel good or sad and if we're if a song yeah. comes on and it triggers us and we're feeling sad well why right so the same way we'll have a nostalgic moment where we're like oh the song reminds me of such and such so it's making me feel this way you can go through the same process when it comes to sacred geometry if this pattern is making you feel a, a certain way you can do the same process and figure it out like the root of why right. I'm feeling so, a certain way. Right. So you're saying that if I'm looking at sacred geometry images mm -hmm. and I see one and I go, oh, that makes me feel stressed that mm -hmm. maybe instead of like scrolling to the next photo, <laughs> I should sit with it and go, interesting. Yeah. Why is this? And become yes. more of the observer. Yes. How do you discern when you should work through something versus ignore it completely? Or do we actually, like you said, need to look at these triggers and go, Hey, there might be something here that, you know, is a learning tool yeah. or something that you need to process. Yep. That's also a great question. I think that, I think it's important to figure out what our triggers are, even if it's really hard, because here's the thing. If you don't take the time to figure out 
why you're being triggered and feeling anxiety when you're seeing that pattern, you're going to feel triggered again by something else. And the next time it happens, it might not be when you're conveniently scrolling through these images. It might be when you're having an argument with a friend or a loved one and you're feeling triggered and the root cause of that triggered could potentially be the same root cause that triggered you when you're looking at the, the sacred shape. You know what I mean? Mm. So yeah. I, yeah. So it's like, it's the same part guess, of you. Yeah, no, I like that a lot because you're basically saying that girl, if you don't, if you just ignore it, this shit don't go away. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, my question is, you know, I'm imagining myself going, okay. So I'm looking at a shape and I'm thinking to myself, damn, I don't like this shape It's making me feel stress. So, I mean, is it kind of my opportunity in a way to kind of meditate with the shape, like sit with it and then see what information comes up Mm -hmm. to me? Like maybe it's as simple as saying this shape makes you feel, I don't know, overwhelmed. There's too much that's happening at one time. And then maybe it's a spirit sending, maybe a spirit sending me a message to say, Hey, you have too many things going on right now. You need to focus on one. It could be as easy as that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you nailed it right there. It's like just asking yourself, starting with a simple question, why is this making me feel triggered? Why is this making right. me feel anxious? And then, and then you'll be able to chunk down your questions, basically fine tuning your questions to figure out the root cause. And you gave that really great example is that, you know, maybe there's too much going on in this image and that's a reflection of your life. But you're not realizing that, that so much in your life is causing you anxiety because you're so focused on getting all the things done, right? Cause that can really, that can easily happen to anyone. Yeah you know, myself included. So I think, I think that it's also good practice for anyone and everyone to slow down and to, and to ask yourself questions when, when emotions show up that are unexpected, because because it's just it's it's like if you don't do it now it's it's not going to go away on its own and if anything it it can potentially snowball and become a bigger ordeal later down later down the road and and I think it's important to yeah and I think it's important to be less reactionary because I feel like a lot of the times people react from certain things in their life. You know, like people are always on guard and on the ready to react, but life isn't just about reacting. It's about creating as well, you know, and, and yeah, I think it's really important what you said, because sorry to cut you off, but it's basically, I just want to really drive home that message because what you said is really important. Um, and I feel like this is something that i I'm aware of and have been aware of for a long time. And I think you probably are too. So like when we're given these small lessons, the universe is going, Hey, 
here's a small little lesson. Can you please learn from this one so that we don't have to do something bigger for you later? So if we just go back and we just talk about the overwhelm example. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting there and you're looking at this geometry, you go, oh, wait a minute, I'm overwhelmed. If you can understand from that little, that little gift from source to say, hey, you're overwhelmed, you probably need to kind of call some things here. Mm -hmm. If you use that as a learning experience, then all of a sudden you're not going to have to have that mental breakdown in six months where you're continuing to juggle everything all the time. And so I think that, and, and I try, and I don't know if you do too, but I try as much as possible to learn from other, other people's mistakes (laughs) over my own. (laughs) Yeah. When someone's going through something, I go, oh, cool. I'm going to learn that lesson through you. Thank you very much. As opposed to having to um, kind of go through it myself. But, you know, like you're saying, you know, even when you touched on the emotions there, we are going through life and we are given opportunities, I believe, via our emotions, primarily, I think, Mm -hmm. um, to help us along and say, does this serve me? Does it not? Does this feel Mm -hmm. good? Does it not? And I think a big part that you mentioned there is the lack of mindfulness, is the um, the need to rush, mm-hmm. is the need to get to the next moment instead of being where we are. Yeah. And I did a yoga meditation retreat a little while ago. And one of the things that was really reinforced to us is how often people don't chew their food enough. <laughs> like the average person, you're supposed to have 32 chews per bite. Well, that's insane. I will, I do not do that. I don't know if you do, but I do I not do. do that. And for our <laughs> listener at home, you do it? I do, yeah. Girl, talk to me about this. Not even consciously, but I've always been that way. Ever since I was a little girl, I'd always take very long to eat my food to the point where I would get in trouble for taking so long to eat my food. Um, but it's because I enjoy every bite and I, and I, and I appreciate, and I'm not saying that other people who don't, who don't chew slowly, don't enjoy their food, but there's a, like, I savor my bites. You know, I, I taste all the taste and, and really it's because I'm grateful that I'm blessed with you know, a plate of food to eat, you know, not everyone in this world can say the same. So it comes from that heartfelt place as well. But also, I just I really I love food. And I just I just take my sweet time. (laughs) I that's so good. And you know, I even had a friend who was telling me a while ago, that, um, you know, she just noticed she's rushing all the time and like she caught herself in it and she went, wait a minute, if I just stop for a second and slow down or just appreciate where I'm at for yeah. a moment, it changes everything. Absolutely. And I am somebody, I'm an Aries. Um, I'm, I'm super driven. I'm a D personality for people who know the disc profile. So for me, I like to, I tend to you know, do things quickly because mm-hmm. that's just the way my brain thinks. I'm mm-hmm. like, how can, how fast can I, can I do this? So, you know, my experience of, you know, quieting my mind and being where I am has been one of the most important things that I have to do in life, mm-hmm. honestly, mm-hmm. to chill out and to not miss life as it's passing me by. Right. And that's a beautiful realization, you know, to know that that's your personality type, because if you don't know who you are, and I'll always come back to self-awareness, you're not going to know where 
you need to grow, you know, and, and another thing that I do want to add yeah. that can benefit a person by learning to slow down and not being so reactionary is that it can enrich and even save relationships. And here's why. Because oftentimes people get into unnecessary arguments because people aren't hearing each other. They're, they're, they're listening kind of. And then they're like, before the person's done speaking, the other person wants to respond. They're reactionary. You know, they're not actually taking the time to hear that person out and to really absorb what they're saying and to, and to understand what they're trying to get at. They're, they're so reactionary. And so by practicing mindfulness and by practicing, you know, slowing things down and being in the moment, it'll help you do the same in different areas of your life. And, and like I said, it can really enrich a relationship because if you get so good at that, you're going to, it's going to tr be translated in how you communicate as well. Oh, I think that's so important. And what came to mind when you were talking there was also Eckhart Tolle's work, who's all about the power of now and change my life. But, you know, one of the things that he talks about is our incessant need to defend our mental position where it's like, well, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my, my experience within this. And, you know, let me just say that some things just are really not worth you know, talking about, it's like people have their own opinions and there's fine. That's totally fine. But, you know, like you were saying, you have to be mindful enough to discern whether or not something is important to flush out mm -hmm. or whether or not it actually really matters. What are some tips that you might have for our listener at home just before we wrap up here on maybe how to be more mindful, how to get started? Are there any kind of things that you do in your life? I mean, we know that you you do the required chewing, which is a very well done to you. But uh, is there anything else that you do that uh, that you might be able to to share with our listener at home before we uh, wrap things up here? I'm sure your listeners would have heard this before, but meditation. There is just there is mm -hmm. something very special that you can get from meditation that you cannot get anywhere else. Um, so definitely meditation, journaling. Oh my goodness. I am a hundred 110% an encourager and a cheerleader of, of journaling because again, you know, there's something about writing things down with a pen and paper, you know, like, like the, the amount of muscles you even use from writing far exceeds typing. And so there's just, there's a magical connection that happens when you take pen to paper that cannot be achieved anywhere else. Um, and for anyone who's a keener, I would even suggest trying to write with your less dominant hand. If you really want to get, oh. yeah, if you really want to get into focusing in the now and practicing slowing down, there is no, like, personally, in my opinion, there's nothing better than writing with your less dominant hand. Like it takes some time and dedication, but, but it can happen. And, and that can really shift and change your world in more ways than you can even fathom right now. Cause what you're doing when you're writing with your less dominant hand is you're creating new, like brain, uh, brain connections, new brain synapses. And, and that's really powerful too. Um, I, I 
basically became proficient at writing with my less dominant hands in 25 days. So it can be done. Wow. Yeah, it can be done. Uh, mm -hmm. I highly encourage it. And I was actually, um, so a couple of years ago, I was, I was doing some really deep healing work, like healing from ancestral wounds and, and um, infant wounds and whatnot, and childhood wounds. And during that time, I was meditating every day, I was writing with my less dominant hand, and I was practicing telepathy. And because I was doing all of these things at the same time, it expedited my, my growth, and it expedited, um, and it just like supercharged my healing. So that's something that I found really helpful. So not only just writing in general, but writing with your less dominant hand. Um, another thing is to stretch, is to practice yoga. Breath work mm. is amazing. Um, and for those who are swimmers, I think I think swimming can be a really amazing way to slow things down because when you're underwater and there's there's a magical alchemy that happens when your body is engulfed in water because we're made up of water as well when you when you're submerged underwater you can really hear your heartbeat and that can really slow things down for you as well and and I actually use I use that as um as a way to purge and and clear my energetic field um, yeah, that's, that's a really amazing way to, to help a person slow down as well. Beautiful. Well, those were some absolutely fabulous tips. Thank you so much for sharing You're those welcome. with us. Is there anything that I didn't ask you, my girl, that you wanted to bring up and how can people get a hold of you, especially if they're interested in your new program? Sure. Thank you. Um, so I guess the one thing that I would leave with everyone is that if you're feeling overwhelmed, but you want to transform your life, just know that it doesn't have to be as hard as it seems. And, um, and, and you have the power to change your life. You have, you have the, um, you have the, how do I even say? it you just you just have the magic in you you know like it's 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 all about taking claim of that sovereignty and just changing your life um people can reach me by finding me online via my social media so on instagram i am the dot one so o n e dot coach dot the number one the number four and the number three or my website which is the one coach dot solutions and, um, and yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. <laughs> Great. And I'll put a link to all that as well in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Honestly, um, it was super fun. I it, love talking to you. It's really interesting. And I'm sure this won't be our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for facilitating Lauren. It's always such, it's so much fun, like connecting with you and just, talking all things spirituality and I'm so grateful that you you know that you've taken upon yourself to facilitate a podcast that is needed that can help really 
you know, empower people and um, help them dive deeper because I think that that's what's also needed. Everything is so surface level these days that it's important to dive deeper. That's where all the magic is. So thank you for holding space with me today and um, I'll always be happy to reconnect with you. Thank you, my sister. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.